Welcome to Testimony, a musician story. Heard at TestimonyStories.com and narrated by myself, Brown Theory, the music lover constantly seeking positive music. Let's get started. Virally, you may know spoken word artist Genetics for her poems, I Will Wait For You and I Waited For You. But before her poetry was getting millions of clicks on YouTube, Genetics was born Jeanette McGee on June 26, 1979 in Orange County, California. She was raised by her mother and grandmother with her two younger brothers, an extensive family that came in and out of the household. Her father was in and out of her life, but her mother and grandmother provided her and her siblings with a solid Christian upbringing. So for me, it was both of them, you know, who are extremely solid in the faith. My grandmother just passed December. Um, She walked me down the aisle in, in September and she passed in December while I was on tour in Africa. Probably the hardest moment I've ever faced in my life. It was rough, but I'm, I'm super grateful because I got to have somebody like her in my life who helped shape me. And I tell people all the time, like, not without her, like, I wouldn't have, like, there would be no poetry, there'd be no anything, because she's the one, like, from the time that I could start talking, she had me memorizing scripture. And so now, you know, what we see is a lot of things like, you know, Jesus is my homie and, you know, all these different things. It's great at times, but I think that just our generation kind of needs to remember the reverence and the holiness of who God is. And that's kind of where I got that from. It's just like, no, we were not allowed to take communion until we could say what the bread represented, the cup represented, and where we could find it in Scripture. (laughs) So there was just a lot of things that may seem extreme to, like, other people. But for, for us and our family, like, it did not go down like that. Although her mother and grandmother were heavily involved in her life, they were also busy working in order to provide for the family. So there were some things that went unseen, like the molestation she endured from her teenage uncle and her father. But then something happened and now I know he touched me and then he touched me again while he was supposed to be babysitting and never left Cali but now I wasn't even sure what state of mind I was in. What I didn't know was that I was about eight, going on nine, and I wasn't afforded an opportunity to decline. What would be defined as my first sexual encounter? Physical pain was secondary in comparison to how much my mind hurt, that I couldn't erase, that we were already in third base, and I feel we would be forthcoming. I went from studying in my one, two, threes to three-way conversations with birds and bees. My thought process became a huge palette of complexities. Child life was no longer as easy as A, B, C. A, B, C, always believed Christ. Didn't ever feel God had inadvertently just knowingly left me. Now, oppressing penetration, quickened rage, Satan thought ugly variations would execute youthful zeal. But I wanted to know why. I was searching for a sign. I said, I was searching for a sign. Why was this happening to me? Why was I being awakened out of my sleep to watch cartoons? I was a small child making requests for oral sex, not because I liked it, but because it hurt less. And then he touched me. And this time it was my own father. 
Now sexually involved with the second man, all I knew was that I was about nine going on ten. I was about nine going on ten. What would make someone want to touch one of the only got ten? I hyper-extended my brain trying to make sense of his intentions. All of our teachers are saying she doesn't focus, she doesn't pay attention. I was going to every extent I knew, but still I was frightened but I could not be forgotten. I felt used and thrown away like paper cups and plastic utensils at nine going on ten. started about, you know, around the ages of seven, eight, and my mom just working a lot and my grandmother working at the time and not being able to afford a babysitter, so staying with, you know, an older family member, and that began just, you know, very, it was just kind of strange because it's kind of, it started off as something that was meant to kind of be, like, playful, but looking back, I can see how different mind games are played. I was kind of the only girl, so I always feel left out, and I would have to kind of, like, act very tomboyish in order to kind of at least be considered in the games or anything else. So kind of like a mind trip, kind of like, if you don't do this, then you won't be able to be involved type thing. And unfortunately, when my mom and dad were trying to get back together, um, so we would go home after school to my grandmother's house and then like we would leave from my grandmother's house to at the end of school and get picked up like around five to go to, you know, my dad's house and everything. And so I was getting abused at my grandmother's house, and then I would go home, and I was getting abused by my father as well. Same time frame. I mean, neither one of them knew that they were doing it to me at the same time, but it was just it was just a really rough time frame for me. Um, for the family member, it lasted much longer. Of course, over a few years, my father was about maybe about five or six times, and so that's kind of like where it actually began. It was just mostly sexual abuse. But my father was physical also. Um, there's just a lot of times as far as like, and it was my father and my mom, you know, them trying to get back together. There was just, I mean, she was getting beat up. We were getting beat up, you know, that kind of thing. Just, I mean, times we couldn't go to school for like a week and a half because like if they saw the aftermath of what we looked like for sure, CPS would have come in and taken us out of the home. And so with my father's physical and sexual abuse with the family member, it was, it was just sexual abuse. With my mom, it was like an accident. Uh, I think something happened at school and they called her and she called me at home and said, I know what's been going on. Just tell me what happened. And she thought I was going to tell her something at school. And I ended up telling her about my uncle. With my father, even at that age, I knew that I had family members that if they found out that he was definitely a dead man. So I kind of just knew that that was something I would have to keep to myself. And I always said to myself, like, if he dies, then I'll tell my mom what actually happened. Um, but before that, I was just like, I didn't want to have the weight on my head of like, okay, if, if one of my uncles did something to do and they're in prison for life, that's kind of, I kind of viewed that as being my fault at the time. And so I didn't until he did pass. I was 15 when he passed away. And so that's when I actually told my mom about my father. She's just broken. Um, she said she wanted to dig him up out of the ground and kill him again. Uh, <laughs> She was, she was very broken. She was very broken because she thought that she was, was taking the brunt of the abuse. And she thought that because she was taking so much of it, she didn't know anything else was transpiring. Like what you're hearing so far? Check us out at TestimonyStories.com. That's TestimonyStories with an S, dot com. Where you can hear content for you and about you. Everyone has a testimony. Everyone has a testimony. And we want to hear yours. Tell us how God has transformed your life. Each month, we will select a person to highlight and interview. Find out more at TestimonyStories.com. Testimony. A story. Testimony, where Christian hip-hop artists give you an exclusive look into their lives and their music. 
Take a journey into the minds of today's top Christian hip-hop artists as they open up and share about their past, their faith, and their music in ways you've never heard before. Put on your favorite pair of headphones or turn the stereo volume up and listen. What's up? This is Genetics, and you're listening to Testimony, a Musician Story. Her father passed away from a lung disease. Despite the unfortunate abuse she bared from him, fortunately, she did inherit his artistic genes, hence the stage name, Genetics. My family is, um, even my father, musical beast, multiple instruments that he learned on his own. My mom, singer-dancer, um, my grandmother's the same, and my whole family are, is just a group of people who are engulfed in the arts. And so, and I was exposed to a lot of the arts very young. I'm like four and five years old. Like we're going to see Baryshnikov and going to see Ailey and all of those, those different things. And so, and then the musical thing in the house was just crazy because it would be everything from like Tito Puente to like Yanni live at the Acropolis to, you know, it would be like the nineties rap at the time to, it was just crazy. Um, and we would constantly have like shows in our house to like, everybody would get up and kind of do their own thing. Um, so it was always encouraged um, in our house, but it was also encouraged, like, how can you use this gift, you know, for God? And so, like, I was always really, like, passionate about the arts, always watched award shows and like, man, like, that's just what I want to do is what I do, but I want to do it for God. I was, you know, heavily involved in, like, theater and school and stuff like that growing up. Poetry kind of was, became my passion because I just stumbled across a book of my mom's. And it was her poetry. I was like, what is this? And she's like, oh, that's from when I was in high school. I used to write, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, this is good. Like, this is good stuff. And so right around like 13, 14, I kind of just started doing my own thing and started to kind of like try to do things at church. But very quickly, it became like, you can't do your poetry at the church. Like, we're not talking about those things. We don't want to talk about those issues. It's too, it's too much. I grew up Kojic. So there's just a lot of things that women weren't supposed to be doing, period. So Honestly, like, it was kind of crazy because when I, when I actually would ask questions, they didn't have answers to my questions. So like, I was like, okay, so in this doctrine manual, like, it says this, but like in the scripture, it says this. And so, like, I'm trying to understand because I, I, I want to follow the word of God with my whole heart. And I don't want to follow something just because somebody says it. So can you help me out with that? And so, like, I was deemed as this kid who just had too many questions, way too many questions. So they were probably just tired by the time I even started doing poetry. So I wasn't, I wasn't allowed to do my poetry at church. And so that kind of just, the whole hip-hop era, like, kind of like during the time from Most Def and Talib Kali was, like, on the horizon. And we were, me and my friends and my brothers and cousins were heavily kind of, like, into hip-hop. And so we would perform a lot, but we would go to something called World Stage and Lamert Park, and we would do, like, poetry, but, like, We'd have to be good in order to stand, like, because we were talking about God. Now, if we got up and talked about God and it was corny, like, you would get booed off very quickly. But the only, like, people would respect it if you were good at what you did. I could choose to worry. That won't change a thing. I could just go crazy. Already feels like I'm insane. I've never ever once been in this place before Everything's unfamiliar Why'd you leave me here? Is this what you call steps that's honored? Try 
Genetics gave her life to Christ as a teenager and helped start a Christian club in high school. She never felt like she was missing out on that stereotypical high school life because she had a fun family who always partied together. The fact that no one thought her Christian poetry was corny shows that she has always been a cool cat. The local stages that she would perform her poetry on helped to prepare her for the global stage that P4CM, Passion for Christ Movement, helped to introduce her to. Genetics' poem, I Will Wait For You, has over 2 million clicks on the P4CM YouTube channel. While most people are trying to go viral, Genetics unexpectedly went viral. So I took matters into my own hands and ended up with him. Him who displayed the characteristics of a cheater, a liar, an abuser, and a thief. So why was I surprised when he broke into my heart? I called 911, but I was cardiac arrested for aiding in the bed because it was me who let him in. Claiming we were just friends. It was already decided for me by the first day that even if he wasn't, I was going to make him the one. Because you know, I was tired of being alone, so I simply made up in my mind that it was about that time, so I decided to drag him along for the ride, because I was always the bridesmaid and never the bride. A virgin in the physical, but mentally just a grown woman on the corner, and he was tired of the wait. So I was going to make him the one. He had a form of godliness, but not much. But hey, I can change him, so I'll take him. I mean, he's close enough ready to sell my aorta for a quarter, not knowing the value of its use to me. Artery so clogged with my will, it blocked his will from flowing through me. So I think Christ and his blood pressure gave his heart and attack that. That llama obscured vision put me flat on my back. Through my ignorance, he saw. So through my sternum, he saw it and cracked open my chest and transplanted Psalms 5110. A new heart and a new right spirit within. So now I fully understand, but yet I thoroughly comprehend how much I need to wait. My immediate feeling was uh, fearful because I just have been somebody, again, because of my grandmother who understands the weight of the responsibility. And I, I don't, my fear was just like, just a fear of just like, Lord, I just don't want to mess up. I don't want to dishonor you. Um, I want to be able to say that I, I truly honor you with my words. It really started off as a journal entry and um, just kind of just writing out my thoughts to the Lord and I was really starting off like, Lord, you know, <laughs> it's kind of like, I don't, I don't need anybody. I don't need a man. I'm really good with just like you and me. And, you know, I'm like singing all these worship songs, like in the dark in the room by myself. And <laughs> like, I don't need anybody at all. I need you. And, um, the Lord just dealt with me in that moment and it, and just kind of showed me that it really wasn't, it really wasn't that I didn't desire that. It was just because of the weight of my past, I didn't want to trust anybody on a level of a sincere relationship. But I was like, okay, well, let's, okay, let's, I do desire it, but there's not going to be, I don't think there will be a guy who's willing to, number one, understand the past that I have. Um, number two, be the man that I see in scripture, like the biblical manly example that I see in scripture. I had dated a lot of uh, uh, guys who 
claim that they were believers. Um, I'm not gonna say claim. They may be Christians, but at the same time, we didn't hold the same conviction. So if I say, "Hey, like, I don't really want to have sex until I'm married," they say, "Oh, cool, I support you on that." And I'm like, "Wait a minute, like, that doesn't help me out. Like, what's your conviction? Like, I don't need your support. <laughs> like, I have the Lord for support, but it, it would be like I'll do it if that's what you want to do. But if that's not what you want to do, I'm still here. If you know, if that's not what you want to do too." So I didn't run into any guys who were on fire for God. And I always said, like, if I was going to be in a relationship with somebody, we needed to be able to bring more glory to God together than I could by myself. And I plan to be a blowtorch. So he had to be really coming with it. So I was tired of, you know, calling on Sunday mornings, like, hey, are you still coming to church? And I'm tired of, can we pray? Or, hey, can we have a Bible study? I was just like, it, it just was exhausting. So I was like, if it ain't for real, I'm not going to do it. And so... I was just like, I'm good. My thing was, I'm going to tell people, like, I just, Lord, I just need, like, a sanctified thug. Like, I want a man, when he worships, he looks like a man. It just wasn't, there's got to be a brother and wife beaters that really just loves the Lord wholly and fully. Um, and so I was like, yeah, that's, that's probably not going to happen. So I just was like, well, let me write out. Let me just say what, what I personally think. And then I wouldn't just say what, what my requirements were. And I was reading a piece to, to people who are, you know, considered really great in the, in the realm of poetry, and I was like, what do you think about this piece? And I'm like, ah, it's just, it's not as good as your your, your other piece. I mean, it's kind of like, you need to add this, you need to add that. And I was just like, dang, I don't want to be whacker than the time before. So I was like, all right, so I was trying to go back to the piece, and I was getting ready to try and add some more metaphors and add some more double entendres and, you know, do some more alliteration. And the Lord was like, you know, do you want to please people or do you want to please me? And I was just like, uh, all right, I will leave it alone. But it was hard for me because it wasn't stacked with, you know, with talent to me at all. It was just me trying to share my heart. And um, I think that's the part that ended up kind of working out from a viral sense, because when you think about people who don't speak English originally and have to translate, it gets kind of difficult when you, you get fancy with it. The gist of it was like, if you have this for me, okay. And if you don't, that's okay, too. Testimony. Testimony where Christian hip-hop artists give you an exclusive look into their lives and their music. Take a journey into the minds of today's top Christian hip-hop artists as they open up and share about their past, their faith, and their music in ways you've never heard before. Put on your favorite pair of headphones or turn the stereo volume up and listen. Connect with Testimony and Musician Story through social media. Find links to our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and more at TestimonyStories.com. A Musician's Story. Now back to Genetics, Testimony, and Musician Story. She waited, and she met her husband, Matt, a guy eight years younger than her, who she kept running into. He was even there the night she performed, I Will Wait For You. Matt pursued her, and she blew him off, thinking he wasn't aware of the age difference. He was. He just didn't care. He asked her to pray about it. 
and she didn't. But his consistency finally got her to meet up with him at a Denny's. With their Bibles in hand, they conversed for three hours about their beliefs. It turns out they were on the same page. Because of the trauma she experienced as a kid, genetics felt shameful and was closed off. There were all kinds of mountain peaks Matt had to climb to get to her heart. And she thought he would tap out. But instead, he put a ring on it. On September 27, 2014, Jeanette McGee became Jeanette Watson. The entire wedding and the events leading up to it can be seen on YouTube. Her wedding vows, I waited for you, is her most recent viral video. And that I partially agreed to the wait because I didn't believe you existed in the first place. But in the slight, rare possibility that you did, you would definitely not want me because I'm not her. I choke on soft words like want and need. I hate flowers, red boxes of unpredictable, strangely textured chocolate, balloons that take months to die, and everything Valentine's Day. I'm sorry, but to me, the note-looking pretty women were just okay. I am the one that fairies tell you to stay away from. I was never Cinderella, I was the evil stepmother. I was never the princess, I was the fire-breathing dragon. I was Ursula, I was the wicked witch of the West. Yet, used to chose to knock on the door of this castle in my heart unaware that an invisible fortress had been built due to much more experienced pain than a sting. Unbeknownst to you, there'd be six more doors you'd have to get through before you ever even saw a glimpse of me. I was still wounded. Conditioned to live with a knife lodged in between my third and fourth intercostal margin which collapsed my left lung. So I never left, due to you being out of my comfort zone and shortness of breath. Besides, I was already in a relationship with pain and I hated him. But I loved him. Why did the couple decide to share their journey with the world? Even as Christians, most people look to Beyonce and Jay-Z as the ideal couple. Like, everybody's hustling hard. Most people are go-getters. Most people are at the top of their game. And that's even as believers. Like, that's who believers refer to. And I was like, why don't we have somebody that we can say? Like, and I knew that a lot of women were invited in on the process of my single life. And... I knew a lot of people didn't believe, just like I didn't believe a guy like my husband existed at all. I didn't believe that there was a guy who was more passionate about the word than I was. I didn't believe that there was a guy who, like, genuinely would initiate prayer and initiate, you know, us growing together in the Lord. I didn't believe any of that. Like, I just was like, I don't, I've never really seen a guy that, that actually has some flavor <laughs> that, you know, is, is doing that. Mind you, I had said in other relationships, like, I don't even really want to kiss till I get married. I never said that with him, and then he expressed that first in our relationship. So I was like, okay, this is definitely way different. Um, we had extreme boundaries when it came to hanging out by ourselves. Like, we didn't really hang out by ourselves. <laughs> we was like, I, I had my best friend, and we were roommates up until I got married. And it was, it was the three of us most of the time, or more. <laughs> um, I, did, I never saw his apartment until it was close to the time that we were getting married. I had never been to his apartment. We had been together for pretty much three years. But all different things, different boundaries were set because we knew that people, not just because of the people that were watching, we, we love the Lord and we were saying to ourselves, like, we don't want to just, how much, how much can we get away with? Like, let's, let's see how, what, how much we can do and get away with it. We were like, no, we love God so much. We want to stay as far away from it as we can. And then two, like, we saw different people fall in the faith and how it, how it 
it causes a, a kind of a damage to the body. How people like, man, I knew, I knew that wasn't for real. Like the whole single thing, I knew she wasn't. So like, we knew like how bad of effect would it be if this girl who was saying like she would wait, she would wait, she would wait, ended up you know pregnant before she was married, or ended up falling in the sand before she got married. And so we both took that very seriously. We just wanted to make sure that people, you know, had some type of example. And we always say, like, we don't have 100% all the answers, but we want people to know, like, it's doable. It is it is doable. And you don't have to not be who you are. Like, you don't have to, when I say who you are, I mean, like, it's like in Christ. There's sometimes some people feel like they have to conform to another specific person in order to, you know, be considered doing something right. But we just want people to know, like, it's doable. Like, Christ doesn't put obligations on us or the word doesn't tell us to do things that are not doable. So that was a, a huge reason as to why um, it's the engagement process. And because it was rough, <laughs> you know, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. And to encourage people to, to really pursue the Lord wholeheartedly, even in your relationships. And the wedding was just because we wanted people to know, like, as believers, marriage is the earthly example of Christ in the church. And we should be like... Having an awesome time celebrating in the Lord. Pitch at the four set, trying to get to the outside. Chased by Casey. Four set wins that one and takes it in. Touchdown, Ravens. What do you have in common with Ravens running back Justin Forsett or Cardinals linebacker Sam Ajo? Like you, they're blasting CHH tracks pregame to get hyped. You may never play in the NFL. What? Okay, okay, but you could have Madden 16. You serious, Clark? Yeah, we're serious. Tweet us at Musician Story and tell us what CHA songs get you hyped and tag a friend you can't wait to destroy in Madden 16. On August 5th, we'll announce one lucky winner at random. For rules and eligibility, please visit TestimonyStories.com slash contest. We gotta play football! It's a game! It's happening today! Let's go! You are listening to Genetics, Testimony, a Musician Story. Being that she was single through her 20s and early 30s, she has a heart to minister and equip the Christian singles. The wedding began with a whole production of a play that ministered to singles because I knew that singles were coming to the wedding. We knew that People would go to weddings and feel like, oh, man, like, dang, I wish I was with somebody. And then end up calling somebody they didn't need to call, <laughs> you know, old, old person that you need to be leaving alone. I tell people all the time, like, when I was 16 on fire for God, I'd be like, yes, God, I love you. Stay virgin until I get married. When I was like 20, I was like, yes, God, 25, yes, God. When I got like 28, I was like, Lord, now, <laughs> uh, I need you to make something happen. <laughs> so, but like, I mean, uh, like I said, I mean, I got married at 35. Um, and like I said, another phone, people were like, oh, aren't you worried? You ain't even had no kids and you and this and this. Like my goal now is to just to remind singles is that like, I think that we've kind of all together not done such a great job of helping singles understand that singleness is not a curse, um, but it's an, it's an opportunity to really rock your life for Christ. And it's a freedom that is so beautiful. It's from the singles side. There's just not a lot of encouragement. There's a lot of, you can do it and, you know, don't have sex and these things, but there's no, there's nobody really like with a lot of, I don't want to say there's nobody, there's not a lot of people I know of that are equipping young men and women with the tools to say like, hey, like, these are some steps you can take. 
These are some things you may want to consider. These are some things you want to look at. You know, these are some great opportunities that you have. I'm just kind of just, hey, don't do that. Hey, you're not supposed to. Hey, you know, and so people need the how-to side of it. She may no longer be single anymore, but she has not slowed down. Genetics will be performing at several events this summer, including the Legacy Conference in Chicago and Rhetoric in L.A. This fall, she will be on tour with fellow spoken word artists Ezekiel, Preston Perry, and Jackie Hill Perry. Oh, but that ain't it. Genetics just finished working on a music project that she says is a crazy fusion of rock, hip-hop, and soul. Hashtag, it's bananas. Expect to hear that at the end of 2015, early 2016. Special shout out to producer Lazy Boy for providing the music production for this special poetic episode of Testimony and Musician Story featuring Genetics. Follow him on Twitter at I am Lazy Boy. That's I am Lazy Boy spelled B O I. Thank you for listening to Testimony, a musician story. To hear this episode again, as well as past episodes, visit TestimonyStories.com. Until next time, I'm Brown Theory, the music lover constantly seeking positive music. <laughs>